Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Hi listeners, Stuart here from Thrive Today. You know, many people tune in to a Thrive podcast every week. In fact, over 1,800 people download or listen to a Thrive podcast somewhere in the world every single month. We're really encouraged by the feedback we receive on how these podcasts are impacting people's lives in very real ways and equipping them as they grow in their faith. Now, our hope and desire is to continue to make these podcasts available for free. However, there is a very real cost to make this happen. Rent for our studio, production equipment, web development, site hosting, editing, and more. We want to avoid running advertisements in our Thrive podcasts, but we're also committed to making sure that Thrive is available to our listeners for free. This is where you can help us. If you'd like to contribute to assist us in meeting these ongoing production and distribution costs, then please join our listener support program with a monthly subscription. Now, you can do this very quickly and simply. Just go to thrivetoday.tv. That's our website, thrivetoday, one word, dot TV. At the top of the homepage, you'll see a button that says Donate. This will give you the option to support the Thrive Podcast with a donation of 5 or 10 or $50 per month. You can set your own support level. So we hope you'll consider supporting this ministry in this way. Again, to those who are monthly supporters, a huge thank you to you. Your contribution is helping us continue to provide these Thrive Podcasts for free. So it's easy. Visit thrivetoday.tv, click on the donate button. We thank you for your support by tuning in, but also by contributing financially in this way. Now let's jump into this episode of Thrive Deeper with Matt. Are you a, are you a football fan, uh, Stuart? You've been uh, following the World look Cup. Look a little bit, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it was, uh, it was a bit of a... Um, uh, a heart drop when uh, Tunisia scored a goal against the French because then it's like we had to win. We didn't have yeah. to just draw. And then the goal that got us through. Amazing. Yeah, yeah amazing. Amazing socceroos through. But I tell you what, uh, this morning was, was pretty heartbreaking as an oh, as a avid uh, Germany fan. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Germany are out, uh, oh. out, out, of, out of the, uh, the group stage, which oh. is pretty tragic. But yeah, anyway. Goodness. I think it's Australia. usually it's usually the other way around. Usually it's Australia that go out, and and yeah, then yeah. I, you know, I've still got Germany to to barrack for. <laughs> Matt, you're <laughs> going to have to cheer for Australia. Yeah, that's right. This time it's like what? <laughs> and they're up against it with Argentina, I suspect. Yeah. But uh, anyway, well, it's uh, it's great to be back in the studio. We're continuing yeah. our journey through the minor prophets. Yeah. Um, and uh, only minor because they're shorter books, not yep. minor because they're any less important. <clears throat> and today uh, we're going to be kicking into the book of Micah. Mm. So uh, this is Thrive Deeper, and we're up to episode 159. And Micah, he was a contemporary of Isaiah and Hosea Mm. as well, so around the same time, and we've just really just been speaking about Hosea not so long ago. Uh, But Micah prophesied mostly in the region of Judah, Mm. although he did speak to all of Israel, the north Mm. and the southern kingdoms. Predominantly, he was speaking uh, in in Judah, uh, and he was kind of uh, prophesying across the three kings of Judah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Mm. And uh, uh, again, much like Hosea, uh, this book is written in Hebrew p- poetry mm. format. And, uh, and uh, as I was saying, sharing with you before we, we came on in here, 
Matt, sometimes it's hard to keep reading through because it's it is so illustrative picture mm. poetry kind of written. It's hard to kind of keep your focus on mm. what's happening. So it's going to be great to work through this with you. Yeah, work through this. The with you interesting today. thing with mm. Hezekiah, and as we know, Hezekiah was a uh, was a godly king. Uh, yes. You know, he responded to God, unless, uh, unlike a, a lot of the kings. And evidently, he seems to have been quite responsive to Isaiah, but also Micah. In fact, uh, an example that's used in Jeremiah, yeah. uh, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, it says uh, here in Jeremiah chapter 26, um, and this is about responding to Jeremiah prophecies. What are we going to do about this guy? Is mm. this mm. Um, is this treason that he's taught that Jeremiah the prophet is talking about this? And this is uh, this is a bit later now. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's about a hundred years later. It is. Um, but uh, yeah, so it says in Jeremiah twenty six verse seventeen, some of the elders of the land stepped forward and said to the entire assembly, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Mm. He told the people of Judah, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Zion will be like a plowed, will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. Uh, the temple uh, hill, a mound uh, overgrown with thickets. Mm. And then he goes on to say, did Hezekiah, king of Judah, or anyone else in Judah put him to death? Did not Hezekiah fear the Lord and seek his favor? And did not the Lord relent so that he did not bring disaster, the disaster he pronounced against them? Mm-hmm. We were about to bring terrible disaster on ourselves. Yeah. And interesting because Micah and I think Jonah are the only two prophets that are actually mm. referenced by other prophets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, we yeah. actually uh, have them both referenced there. So, you, you, you know, Micah actually saw the fulfillment of his prophecies, which we'll talk about in a moment, about yep. the fall of Samaria to the Assyrians. Yep. But he also, as you say, he witnessed the great revival initiated by Hezekiah. Yeah, which and, actually and delayed no doubt God's, was part of that. Yeah, no doubt was part of that. Absolutely spoken yeah. to that. And which, which actually, as you say, delayed God's judgment on Judah and Jerusalem for probably an, another century. Yeah, you know, that's right. Actually, you know, yeah, that's um, right. And, uh, and, and, and one so, of the few prophets that were actually heeded, the warnings were actually heeded. Exactly. I was just going to say <laughs> Sorry, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it's interesting because we, we sometimes read this and you think, oh, you know, n- no one ever listened no, yeah. to these poor prophets. Yeah. Well, actually, in this case, uh, you know, mm. they did and, um, uh, you know, to great effect. Yeah. Mm. Let's kick in, Matt. Yeah. Um, I, I think the be- best way to look at this is to look at some of the broad themes yeah, uh, in, in this book. And, and um, you know, Micah is is criticizing a situation in uh, in both Judah and, and Israel. Mm. And in a way, um, Israel is kind of out ahead in terms of corruption uh, and so forth. But uh, Judah is seen as, as kind of going along with that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's a little bit like, are oh, you becoming as bad as your little brother? Like, yeah. Or something like that, you know, um, in the case of Judah. But the big, the big problem, and it shows actually how central this is, Stu, to the value, um, you know, to, to biblical values um, and how central this is to uh, the biblical faith. The concern is, is with uh, justice and injustice here mm. and the way that people are treating one another and particularly uh, the treatment of the poor. That's, uh, that gets a lot of space here. Um, this was built into the Mosaic law. A really, um, really important part of the Mosaic law is the treatment of the most vulnerable in society. And that's a really interesting aspect uh, of the Mosaic law. It's, it's um, somewhat countercultural. I mean, there are other, other laws like the, the uh, Babylonian law of Hammurabi that has some provision for the poor, some protections for the, for the poor. Um, uh, but on the whole... Um, 
nothing close to what uh, to what we see here in um, uh, in the biblical faith, and so. So these prophets are are really policing this because you know in, in, in times of great prosperity in, in monarchic systems like this you've got you know very you know class society and that uh, leads to you know oppression and exploitation of the poor and so the the exploitation of the poor is actually a symptom of another problem and that is a symptom of well, it's a symptom of a problem, which is a symptom of a problem. And the first problem is their relationship with God, yeah. of course, is the yeah. problem uh, of their gradual disregard for God. Or, or, or perhaps you could say, you know, uh, in, in the case of Judah, probably their faith, that they weren't apostate like the northern kingdom was. Mm. But... Um, but it was a bit of box ticking, yes. you know. We'll, yeah. we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll do all the all the right things, uh, go into the temple because, of course, Isaiah criticizes uh, um, both Judah and Israel for just being sort of empty religion mm-hmm. uh, as such. So, you know, they're they're potentially ticking the boxes and going through with that. Then the thing that get, interesting thing that gets compromised, the first thing in the law that gets compromised, is the the the, the law of the fundamental e- equality. Uh, the, the, the law of sharing, you right? Know? Yeah. So God gave them the land, and in an agrarian right. society, the land is your base, the base of your wealth, um, and they were to have an equal share in the land. You know, the land was divided amongst them. They were to be more like tenants than owners of the land. God is the owner; they are the tenants, yeah. and God gifted the land to all of them. and And so there's this strong value. And again, this is something that actually is really um, quite very unique about the mosaic law is this idea of, of what almost looks like a, com, a kind of communist society except uh it's the perfect what, what, form of yeah, communism yeah yeah <laughs> yeah perhaps it's it's you know yeah. uh in that they were meant to have this shared that's existence right. you know yeah. the land didn't we're be- all interdependent that's right the land belonged yeah. to god we're, yeah. we're, we're tenants yeah. we've been gifted it so that we can work the land and, mm. and so forth and um uh, and this communal ideal uh, of course as you read through the Old Testament, this communal ideal was never really f- fulfilled. You yeah. know, that, that's the interesting thing, because yeah. that was probably the highest ideal in terms of how, how the people live their lives was this communal ideal. You know, things like, you know, the, the liberation of slaves, uh, the cancellation of debts yeah. uh, regularly at the end of uh, uh, end of a period, the, the year of Jubilee uh, in which Everything, the, everything returned to the original, original share. Yeah. So, uh, so mm. the, what was meant to happen is that if you bought land, you would only have it until the, until that forty nine year period had passed, and then yes. it would revert back to its traditional owners. Yeah. And that was a way of preventing a society from becoming a, a, a sort of a class. Yeah, well, a wealth, class wealthy getting more wealthy, yeah. and the poor getting more yeah. poor, because that gets entrenched in societies. You know, because yeah. then you get this generational wealth, That's and right. you get this generational poverty, mm. and it's quite amazing actually how these elements that the can't the idea of the cancellation of debts first mm. of all uh the liberation of slaves yeah you know because of course people uh, once they fell to the bottom side into poverty they invariably sold themselves into slavery mm. so you've got the cancellation of debts what well, that was a pr- provision mm-hmm. in the mosaic mm-hmm. law you've got the setting free of of slaves mm-hmm. another provision and then you've got if all of that didn't work then you've got the reversion of the land mm. uh to the to the traditional owners and if you think about the message of jesus the cancellation of debt the Dead of sin, yeah. <laughs> the setting free of the slaves, yeah. and the reversion to relationship. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the parallel. That's right. Yeah, right, right there as well. So and so, 
so that I mean that's a high ideal, yeah. Um, and it was never really fulfilled, uh, you know, through uh, in any significant way throughout the whole Old Testament story. And the interesting thing is that Luke goes to goes to pains to show uh, that after the outpouring of the Spirit, the one main fruit of the Spirit that he points out at the end of Acts chapter two and then again in chapter four is how this early church community and he's very explicit shared everything, everything. that they had. He's yeah. very emphatic about it, yeah, and he. Shows basically that the early church fulfilled the ideal that that almost straight away, yeah. you know, by the power of the spirit as a result of the outpouring of the spirit, that they fulfilled this ideal yeah. that was enshrined in the Mosaic law. So, but this wasn't, of course, happening at this time with Micah. And no, well, what it wasn't we're happening. But getting the leaders getting wealthier and the the yeah. prophets that are actually you know almost prophesying what you want to hear for money and this whole yeah. kind of sense of separation between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is, it's interesting, this is the thing that they really go for. Invariably, yeah. this is, apart from you have forsaken God, yes. uh, the, the, the main theme is the inequality, yeah. is, is their failure to actually fulfill that because that – that ideal was all about creating family. It was yeah. the idea of being a family of God's children, the fundamental equality mm. uh, of all people mm. um, before God. That is, I mean, man, this is the ancient world. Like, yeah, this yeah, is, know. you know, this is so far from from anything, you yeah. know, at the time. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it, I think even now we struggle to to fulfil it. Yet that, yeah. you know, that that ideal um, is just so. Uh, so countercultural in, mm. in in this mm. period. Even today, it's pretty countercultural. So, uh, so this is the thing that the that the prophets are um, yeah. uh, sort of vociferating against the injustice. And really, he covers this in, in sort of chapters one through to the first half of chapter yeah. four. Really, he's talking about and there's some other aspects to each of those chapters, but he's really talking about this injustice. He's really talking about Israel's leaders taking advantage that they're, they're violating the Torah, the yeah. law, as you say. Yeah, that's that, right. And and it comes from, it's interesting to note here, because the, the consistent thing is the root of all of everything is either apostasy, which is, you know, turning away uh, from God yes, and turning, other, to, other gods. Uh, turning to other gods. So it's either this idolatry uh, or, or the, and, and often associated with that is, is a sort of box ticking, uh, as I said, the box mm. ticking. And it's, in, it's interesting that it says here in 1 verse 5, uh, all this is because of Jacob's tra- transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? And then it turns to Judah. Mm. What is Judah's high place? Because just, you know, in case the people of Judah say, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, they're all idolaters yeah, exactly. out there. You know, they're guys. all going up to mm-hmm. the high places, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, pagan shrines were always on high places. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Micah says, what is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Yeah. Like, yeah. That is a that is a powerful indictment because it's basically saying you have made Jerusalem. Yes, I, I, yep, sure. You go and you observe the biblical faith. You go up to Jerusalem. You offer you the sacrifice, but it's no better than a high place. It's, it's actually. religion. Yeah, you, it's you've, not, you've it's just not. created a, yeah. a heartless, empty religion, and yep. so it's no better um, than yeah. the idolatry wow. of the Northern Kingdom. It's a pretty pretty powerful indictment. Sure um, so so he goes on to see. He says, therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place mm-hmm. for planting of vineyards. Uh, I will pour, pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundations. Uh, that is exactly what happened. Uh, yep. To this day, um, uh, Samaria is uh, a heap of rubble. Um, the city was laid bare um, just a little while, uh, just actually quite a you know, short, time short time after, after. this yep. um, uh, by the Assyrians, uh, of course. So, um, And so, you know, 
um, Micah says, because of this, I weep and wail, I go about Beth. So he, again, this prophetic demonstration, probably uh, alongside of this, um, you know, very, and uh, in those days, there were very traditional ways in which you, you mourned and, and yeah. wailed. And yeah. so, and, and he may have done that even with other people as well, you know, got, made a bit of a yeah. thing about it. So, cause yeah. this is about prophetic signs, right? Mm. Mm. So he's mourning as though something had happened already. Yes. Because it's going to happen. So this is, this was, and this is often a powerful prophetic uh, moment where, where he's, he's, it's as good as done. And I'm mourning as though it's already happened. Um, And so that would have drawn uh, people's attention. Interestingly, Stu, and you mentioned this uh, just before off recording, yeah. uh, the special mention of the city of Lachish. Verse 13, yeah. Yeah, which was one of the fortified uh, cities around uh, around Jerusalem. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is, um, of course, Jerusalem survives uh, the Assyrian incursions. Yes. We know from the story of Hezekiah, the, That's right. you know, Hezekiah seeks God, and mm. even as the Assyrians are starting to lay siege to the city, and mm. that pretty much spelt doom. Mm. Um, but uh, but Hezekiah cries out for God, and God in this in that amazing you know one hundred eighty five thousand uh, people yeah. are, uh, you know um, slaughtered in one yes. night by well by the angel of the Lord. Mm. Uh, it says there. Um, other sources, in fact, there's a there's a extra biblical source in Herodotus that may be refer to this that refers to something like that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, talks about a plague actually, yeah. um, about the Assyrians in Jerusalem and so forth. So, mm-hmm. um, but Lachish got completely decimated yeah. in that in that campaign in the southern kingdom. So Jerusalem survived, mm-hmm. but the city of Lachish, uh, um, you know, got destroyed, and and to this day, actually, the very famous depictions of the siege of Lachish in the in the British Museum yeah. today. These big carvings, and it's carnage, Stu. It's mm. absolutely carnage. Fiercest, fiercest oh, yeah, battle. Fierce really, battle. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know some real gruesome stuff that's depicted. Real carnage there in those depictions. So, but what uh, Mike is saying here, yeah, or you know, is yeah. that this is where you know the daughter of Zion or Israel and Judah's um, uh, errors. Yeah. became where they started to drift away from God yeah. began here yeah. and it's and he make as you say makes special mention to the, yeah, that's the decimation right. that's going to take place there because of that in, in verse 13 just just for people's help out there too you know the Assyrians at this stage so they they were based in probably in the city of Nineveh which is modern in modern day Iraq yeah. probably Mosul uh, in that area anyway and they built a huge empire they yeah. were they were really the dominating yeah. military yeah. force at the time um, and at the end, when King Hezekiah, as you say, made you know turned to God, but then he made a fatal mistake, of course, of doing a, a treaty or, yeah. or you know, um, uh, and then he failed to pay. Um, he failed to pay. He did a treaty with the with the um, Egyptians, and then failed to pay the tribute that he'd agreed to mm. the Assyrians yeah. to to, and, and of course that began mm. the, the path yeah. To, yeah. to destruction for Jerusalem yeah. as well. So, yeah, yeah, um, crazy. Uh, but of course, uh, Lachish. Is, is completely sort of, destroyed. Yeah, was completely destroyed, and that you know, Micah is pointing out beforehand that this yeah. is because, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of problems mm. here, and this mm. is quite a strong and proud city, and they're thinking, oh, we're going to be fine, we're going to be fine, mm. um, and he's saying, no, you're not, you're not going to be fine. Mm. Um, so, he keeps, he, you know, he keeps coming back and reminding them of, of the things. Um, so, if, you know, chapter two of, of of God's grievance against them. It's a little bit like the way that this is shaped. 
uh, at points is like a court case. Yeah, uh, it is. In fact, yeah. uh, you get this. This is these are my charges against you. Mm. It's as though he's putting both is, um, Israel and Judah in the dock, mm. and and what he's wanting to do is deliberately take Judah out of. They're not the jury. Mm. Um, they're in the dock with with yeah. Israel. So so this is something that Micah does. I mean, um, and and he wants. Jerusalem. He wants Judah to actually learn from what's happening. Yeah. Uh, in, in in fact, there's there's a sense that that the that what happens to uh, in the Northern Kingdom is is going to be uh, a thing like an example of what will happen to, to the Southern yeah. Kingdom. And, and and Mike wants to make that explicit. Yeah. And of course, because so much of it, as you said earlier on, is is talking about the injustice. You know, to actually put it in the framework of a court case. And so let's have a look at the evidence here of the injustice. Yeah. You know, is is kind of really flows well with what the message is actually trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And so it says, beginning of chapter two, woe yep. to those who plan iniquity, yep. to those who plot evil on their beds at morning's light they carried out, because it is in their power to do it. So you've got a very powerful class. So again, remember mm. there's something that's gone on before this that's led yep. uh, uh, to this. Um, and it goes on to say, they covet fields and seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Mm. Uh, the continual reference referral to the inheritance it's yeah. the, it, you know Micah is reminding them this is their inheritance that God gave, gave them, them and you're taking, taking that from often. them yeah. now the interesting one of the other interesting features of uh, of Micah's prophecies is the frequency with which he comes back to the false prophets yes that had um, that were functioning and 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 we know that this was both the case in the northern and the and the southern uh, the southern kingdom, but particularly in the northern kingdom. So, um, and these false prophets were really doing it for personal gain. It was about generating their own way, wealth, yeah. basically. Uh, you know, you pay me, and I'll tell you. You know, I'll almost like a soothsayer. It's like you know, I'll. Uh, you wonder. Yeah. You, you do. You wonder how that was ever believable. Yeah. Well, probably because all the other, although, as you say, you know, Judah probably wasn't apostate as much, certainly not as much as Israel, probably because that was how those religions all worked. You had to pay yeah. to get what you wanted. And so yeah. they were just transferring that same principle across to yeah. Yahweh, possibly. Yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah, that's right. Uh, it, 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 people were used to that. It, in, in the other cases, they would... Um, they would practice ecstasy, which is the you know cutting open of an animal, things right. like that. That right. would be, and they would seek omens, and that's that's mm. the most common uh, way. And and honestly, sometimes that would go for and against. But there's enormous a uh, for or against. Yeah. But yes, there was pressure to give a good uh, to give a good reply. Mm. Um, and we know from uh, you know from the things that these prophets went through and and. Um, and you see this later, for example, with Jeremiah, who gets mistreated terribly because he says, "No, you are going to be destroyed," and and that's mm. taken as treason. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so these prophets, uh, you know, are, are wanting to say what uh, what whatever people want to hear. So, yeah. in a way, that is a kind of indictment upon them. Like the, it is kind of stupid, actually, in yeah. in the sense that you're paying your prophets to tell you something that you want to hear. Yeah. But the, yeah, but, but that, these prophets are also speaking on behalf of God, so they're you know yeah, that's yeah. a fairly serious yeah, and, 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 indictment and perhaps, on them as well. You know the believability. Mm. I, I, I'm sure the prophets would have tapped into ideas like God's eternal covenant with Israel, yep. and yep. Um, uh, you know, um, 
and, and things, you know, and God's past commitments and, mm. and you know, past stories, all of that sort of stuff. No doubt they would have pointed to that and, you know, given some theological justification for why, yeah. uh, for why, of course, you know, that, that of course, God's going to save them and so forth. Um, but still, uh, you know, the Israel and Judah is still um, are still blamed for listening to these guys. It's yes. it's a it's sort of an act of willed self deception. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you are you are believing what you want to believe. Um, yeah. So it says uh, here in um, uh, two. Am I in chapter two? Two. Chapter, yep. Two. Yep. Two verse six. Um, do not prophesy their prophets say. Yeah. Do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. This is what the prophets are saying. Mm. Uh, you know, um, so. Is this, it, yeah, is the Spirit of the Lord impatient? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, yeah. These are these um, the sorts of things he does? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And he goes down, verse 11, uh, it says, uh, if a liar and a deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you uh, plenty of wine and beer. That would be just the prophet for this people. <laughs> That's right. They're just going to tell you what you want to hear. Exactly. exactly. Right. Yeah. So, in a way, he's saying, can't you see that this is rigged, right? Mm. Now, the interesting mm. thing, uh, though, is that, you know, their, their prophets, you know, th- they are they are being, f- these false prophets are being listened to because they're prophesying it's favor, favor, favor. Mm. Interesting thing here is that Micah is quick to say, I'm not saying, and, and perhaps to counter maybe a theological justification that the false prophets are using that what about god's eternal promise. what about god's eternal promise right, right. god's of course god's not going to micah's full of you mm. know full of it because mm. uh, micah's lying to you because that goes against god's covenant. covenant with yep. moses right yep. with with abraham and with moses um so this may be why micah then goes on to say uh, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will mm. surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, mm. like like a flock in its pasture. Mm. Uh, the place will throng with people. The one who breaks open the way will go before them. They will break through the gate and go out. The king, their king, will pass through before them. Uh, the Lord at their head. So there's a there's a promise here yeah. of uh, of victory, but. Um, and but he knows- does he does that at the end of chapter two, and he also does mm. it at the end of chapter four. So it's, it's almost kind of like saying this is what's going to happen, but this is not permanent because God's covenant. Yeah, that's right. Mm, you know. And and implied here, yeah, because there's going to be a remnant, yes, and he's going to gather them. So the implication yeah. here is that they're going to be destroyed yeah. and exiled, and then after that, God's going to gather Bring them. them so that's right. Um, so that's uh, you know that's how I guess Micah answers that. Objection about yeah, well, right. what about God's eternal covenant? So, you know, the, the the answer essentially is yes, God is going to be faithful, but mm. you won't. You know, this generation may not experience that yeah. uh, because of and the it's state after that it's the in. judgment. Yeah, know. that's right. The judgment's yeah. going to come, but yeah. then then the the, the forgiveness yeah. and the regathering will come. That's right. Yeah. He comes back to um, you know comes yeah. back again to this justification. You know, the the emphasis uh, here. Then in chapter three, then I said, "Listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people, mm. and and it's he he escalates the language here. And for Jewish people, uh, you know, with with their food laws, Stu, and 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 all the yeah. scruples around even touching a dead body. Yeah. You know, he says, you know, you tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. You eat my people's flesh, strip yeah. off their skin and break their bones and be, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. I mean, mm. man, it's... it's uh, and, yep. you know, and as for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace, uh, mm. you know, mm. uh, if they have something to eat. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, 
so this is the you know th- this is again the strong thing probably in some ways particularly for Micah this is a very strong theme uh, you know for him um, he's uh, this theme this theme of justice yeah. uh, you know you you despise you distort what is right you, uh, he who and he's because he's he turns then to Jerusalem he mm-hmm. says you build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness yeah. her leaders judge for a bribe her priests teach for a price and her prophets tell fortunes for money mm-hmm. um, so you've got this this is certainly happening in the in the south as well but he says by contrast just before that he says but as for me I'm filled with power yeah, right. with the spirit of the Lord with justice and might to declare Jacob his transgression to Israel his sin mm-hmm. um, uh, and and he says, even though they do all of these things in the Lord's name, yeah, they they say he says here in at the sec, in the second part of verse eleven. Yet mm. they look for the Lord's support and say, "Is not the Lord among us? Mm. No disaster will come upon us." Yeah. Uh, you know, so um, and again, it's interesting to note there yet again after that objection that the, yeah, surely no disaster will come but that can't happen again there's the, the theology here that can't happen because we're God's people mm-hmm. and we're under eternal uh, covenant what does Micah say chapter 4 in the yeah. last days the mountain of the Lord's yeah. temple will be established uh, as the highest of the mountains it will be exalted above the hills and the peoples will stream to it many nations will come and say let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God so you know there's this these grand promises and, and there's a long section here yeah um, but notice uh, what he says. Uh, in that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame, I will assemble the yeah. exiles, yeah. and yeah. those I brought to grief. Mm. Uh, I will make the lame my remnant. Mm. Uh, you know, the lame because they've survived the battle. You know, yeah. this is those driven away, uh, a strong note. The Lord will. So uh, you see here again, it's quite a consistent message. Uh, he's countering that that triumphalist sort of yeah. uh, theology yep. that says, no, nothing's going to happen to us. That can't happen. Yeah. Uh, he says to both Samaria, you're going to be a heap of rubble. He says down in verse 10 mm. of chapter four mm. to uh, arrive in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor for now, you must leave the city mm. to camp in the, in an open field. You will go to Babylon. Uh, there you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hands of your enemies. Mm. So you're going to go to Babylon, but, uh, you're going to come back. Uh, and I think also, like back. you said in in our last episode, Matt, the prophets aren't just speaking about the immediate future. They're speaking about thousands of years into the future. And, of course, we can yeah. read the second coming of Christ here and the ruling over the, you know, of yeah. the peoples of all the world. You know, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's right. That's really what he's pointing all the way forward to, not just the immediate, mm. necessarily, the immediate return from exile. I'm, exactly. I'm assuming, yeah. And, of course, one of the big things, particularly for the southern kingdom, is okay with well, a city, you know. Okay, the city's going to maybe the cities will be destroyed, and uh, but whoa, hang on, exile. No, no, that because mm. didn't God, God say to land. David, mm-hmm. you will always have a son mm. sitting on the throne? Mm. Uh, so that then becomes their their argument. What about the Davidic covenant? And, and t- you get this sense that you know there was the Abrahamic covenant. You know, I will, bl- I will bless you and make you a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And then you've got the uh, the Mosaic covenant. I will make you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation if you yep. only serve me. I mean, there's a condition on that in yep. the Mosaic covenant. Yep. Um, but but still, God's favor upon the people is you know if you return to me, I will restore you. Mm. The Davidic covenant was to was focused on Judah and particularly the line of David. So yes. you get this sense from the 
Abrahamic covenant to the Mosaic covenant to the Davidic covenant, and the Davidic covenant is in Second uh, Samuel chapter seven. Um, listeners can can look look that up. Yeah. Uh, um, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis twelve, uh, Genesis fifteen, Genesis eighteen. The Mosaic Covenant is pretty much all the law, of, you know, yeah, uh, throughout right. uh, yep. throughout the the, the law there yeah, yeah. in uh, Exodus and um, and Leviticus and Numbers mm. um, uh, and and Deuteronomy, I should mm. say, particularly Deuteronomy. Um, uh, the Davidic Covenant, Second Samuel uh, chapter seven, uh, promises this uh, this line of David. So uh, so Micah answers that, and he says, but you. Uh, Bethlehem of Ephratah, and of course yeah. that's where Jesse and David, that's where David's family was that's from. Right. So he's speaking particularly now here to the Davidic yep. dynasty and to this yep. question of what about the king? Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, uh, whose origins uh, are from of old from ancient times. Mm. Now the interesting thing here, he doesn't say over Judah. He's uh, he's going He's going back uh, to to the twelve tribes of yes. Israel, so he's United not even nation. yeah, yeah I, exactly. I, I, you know he's not even uh, talking just about uh, the yeah. northern kingdom. There is actually because he refers to to Judah there. Mm. So one who will be ruler over Israel. So a reunited Israel. How is you know yeah. again? How is that going to happen? Because of course the northern kingdom go into exile and they just assimilate into the nations. Yes, and of course this is because this king is going to be ruler over the nations, and that's where actually the these uh, Micah's prophecies go. You know, he points out that this king will indeed rule over all of the nations. Yes. So this is pointing. So it's not just not only will you have uh, will you have a king. Over Judah, yes. but you're going to have a king who will over rule over nations. Israel, and, and over uh, by implication yeah. over over yeah, all nations. Right. I love the I'm I'm using a NLT I think no a CSB translation. There. Yeah. I love the way it says his origin is from antiquity from eternity. You know, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is you know ancient times they use in the other in yeah. other translations. But I just love the way that that points just straight to to Jesus. You know, and yeah, I, I think I think in the in in this context. Uh, Who's, you know, whose origins are from old, from ancient yep. times. I think he's talking there about the Davidic, Davidic. line. Yep. Sometimes that, that's taken as being, talking about the pre-existence of Christ. I think that probably is reading a little bit okay. too much theologically okay. uh, in, into the text. Yep. It sounds like this translation is uh, is is probably pushing a little bit for that pre-existence of Christ right. uh, uh, one. Okay. Um, this is very much trying to connect this with the line of David because right. the issue here actually that he wants to speak to is this issue of what about the line of David and what yeah. about the Davidic covenant. Yeah. And so it's like – Because you're kind of uh, saying God's not going to do this because of yeah, this promise. This king is going to have roots yeah, in, right. in that. That's right? where it's going to be. That, that's, yeah. the, uh, that's the significance there. So he goes on uh, – again, there's a bit of back and forth uh, through these uh, through these. Prophecies. Stu, and, yep. and you know he goes back. He speaks more about injustice, injustice. Yeah. Um, uh, he talks about the Assyrian yeah. invasion of the land. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, That's right. D- then down in chapter, um, where am I? Into chapter five, he yep. starts to talk about the glorious and purified remnant that, yep. of Jacob. Yep. Um, and, and so yeah. the remnant language is already is already projecting beyond what's it's it's like for micro in in, in the particularly in the case of the Northern Kingdom, mm. it's treated as though it's already going to happen. Yep. Um, and then you've got that famous verses in, in chapter six, yeah. um, you know, where 
he says, and again, this is for the sake of both Israel and Judah and particularly their religiosity mm. um, and, and speaking to that religiosity um, and perhaps their objection. Hang on, isn't, hasn't God called us to go up? He's anticipating the objection. How can you call Jerusalem a high place? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. how has it become a high place? And then he says in verse six, with what shall I come before the Lord? Um, this is verse six yeah. from chapter yep. six. Yep. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, uh, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? It's an interesting verse. Mm, mm. Uh, interesting verse there. Yeah. Uh, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Mm. It's a very famous verse uh, yeah. from Micah. Uh, and that's and the context of those verses is as a counter to a sort of empty religiosity, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. where they're going up to the dead, they're doing all the worship stuff, you know, they're getting into the worship, yes. you know, look at us, uh, you know, look how zealous we are, uh, look at how many rams we're offering, you know, uh, but he says, and, and the, interesting, the, um, a reference to the firstborn is because, again, in that culture, yes, um, in, in the ancient world, the greatest offering you could offer to the gods was your firstborn. Now, of course, mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 22, God commands Abraham offer, offer Isaac to me. Abraham isn't surprised, interestingly, that a god would require this because that was common practice. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but the whole episode is is there to say that you never ever have to do this thing because God Himself will provide provide uh, the sacrifice. Uh, provide the sacrifice, and of course, as we know, God offers His, his firstborn person, in this yeah. sense uh, for the sins, uh, you know, of, uh, of the world. So this is you know interesting little yeah, uh, allusion absolutely. there. But again, again, it's worth pausing here and um, and just recognizing something about the heart of the biblical faith here. Mm, you know, mm. it, it's, I mean, you know, Jesus affirmed that the heart of the biblical faith is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Yeah. And, um, that, you know, way before all of the offerings and, the you know, all of the religiosity, uh, you know, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. Mm. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. That you know that it's it's the humility, it's the it's humility, love and mercy, uh, justice. I mean that that's you know that's it's so much at the core of of the biblical ethic. Um, so I think we'll we'll draw this to a close, uh, Stu. Um, today, yeah. important, you know, again, Micah is even though he has a lot of harsh things to say. There is so there is so much hope in this uh, in these oracles. Mm. Um, proportionately, you know, Micah is is very much a prof- prophet of hope, yeah. even though. And this is the interesting thing, and I think this is part of the significance of the court case thing, mm. the, the, this court case uh, language that's used throughout this book. They lose the court case. Israel and Judah lose the court case. They are guilty. absolutely guilty in yeah. the worst sense, right? Yeah. Um, and yet, the mm. sentence. Is yes, something you know. Something is going to happen. There is there is going to be, uh, you know, there is going to be a a sort of temporal judgment. Mm. But ultimately, and beyond that, God is going to be faithful. Um, and so I love uh, that part at the very end of chapter seven, from verse eighteen. You know, who is a God like you? 
removing iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant mm. of his inheritance. And he, he talks on about God's c- compassion and love for his people yeah, that's right. from the from the covenant love. Yeah, that's um, right. And and so uh, here at the end of the book, you know, the day the day for building your walls will come, the day for extending your boundaries. In that day, people will come to you from Assyria, the cities of Egypt, uh, even from Egypt and the Euphra- Euphrates, and from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain, the earth will become desolate because of its inhabitants as a result of their deeds. In other words, all people are going to flood to Jerusalem. And again, this is prophetic symbolism, uh, but the idea is that you know the lands of the of the pagan gods will be drained you know because everyone will come uh you know people from all over the world will come and uh, will come and see god um uh it's it's a it's a wonderful uh it's a wonderful uh, universal promise you know and uh and he he finishes here Uh, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Because remember, they've lost the court case, right? Uh, And yet Micah declares here, even though we've lost the court case, uh, you know, as Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, And so he says here, you will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham. Interesting reference there, because the, the covenant with Abraham, and, and remember, the covenant with Abraham is that Israel will be a blessing to all the ends of the earth will be blessed through, uh, through, this, through this people. So you will be faithful to Jacob. Uh, you will show love to Abraham and, and love there. Chesed, very much covenant love, uh, as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. God's purpose is the only sure thing in the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. 